It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Having a good time on the show today. Hour number three, the final hour of green and growing. And then Dave Baker kicks me out, literally kicks me out of the studio right before nine o'clock and makes way for the Home Fix It show. So, of course, you'll have him from nine to noon, 404 872 Dr. David Coyle, assistant professor at Clemson University. Your specialty Forestry, environmental conservation, that's the department that you're in. But you not only look at tree health and, and the impacts on the forest, but bugs, too. Lots of bugs. Yeah, and your Lots PhD is in entomology, right? It is, yeah. I'm a trained entomologist, so I've just picked up all this other stuff kind of on, uh, you know, yeah. as the job goes. Well, and all of it is interrelational, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you don't find just a bug. It's always eating something, right? Right. So uh, back a few years ago, and correct me if it started sooner than that, but a new invasive tree pest in South Carolina, something that you guys have put a lot of energy and focus into, Asian longhorned beetle. And again, public awareness campaigns, billboards asking folks to help you spot this. Why is that guy so destructive? What's the problem there? Yeah, it's been, you know, we found it in May of 2020 down in Charleston County, and it, it actually has been there since 2013. So it took seven years before someone, you know, Turned Paid it attention. In. Paid attention. Turned it in. Uh, it's super destructive with mostly maple trees down there. It uh, The larvae burrow into the wood and essentially Swiss cheese in the middle of the tree. Wow. So the tree doesn't die right away. It's not eating a lot of that live tissue, the phloem or anything, but it, but it loses all of its structural integrity and they break super easy. You know, and of course... Charleston County being on the coast, you're in hurricane territory down there. So every time a big windstorm comes through, we see branches breaking all over the place. So uh, it's one of those really destructive insects. Um, a lot of maple trees are grown where people are, right? Yeah. People's yards, parks, that type of thing. So you've got a major hazard uh, right there. Plus, it's a federally listed invasive. So, you know, we, we put a lot of effort into trying to snuff this thing out, which we're actively doing right now. Where did it, I mean, how did we know that it came from Asia? What was the trek over to the continental United States? Yeah, they first found it in 98 in New York. And they know it came in solid wood packing material on one of the, you know, one of the big containers, wow. a pallet or something, you know. Um, and then since then, it, you know, it's been in several different areas in the U.S. and in Canada. Canada snuffed out there. Uh, their infestation, the Toronto area, we've had several spots in the U.S. that we've eradicated, you know, Illinois, some in the Northeast and then Ohio. But there are still four active uh, states with active infestation, South Carolina, Ohio, New York, and I believe Massachusetts still has active infestations. So is this something that, you know, you need the public's help in identifying it? Do they call their extension office when they spot one and say, hey, and then you guys, a research team kind of needs to come out and track, you know, what the damage is or how many are in the area? Yeah, we hope they call. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got numbers set up and uh, both research and regulatory get out there because right away it's a big regulatory issue. You can't take infested material outside of our quarantine zone, which we've, we've enacted about 76 square miles down there. Wow. Um, so we got to make sure we keep the thing where it is. And then we actively work to get rid of it, which at this point means cutting down infested trees and chipping them up. Yeah. And I remember uh, when you when I had you on the phone a few months back, I told you I was guilty of something. I don't want you to be upset with me. Oh my gosh, you did? When I go camping. Oh, you bring firewood. Oh, oh I do. Actually, and actually. that's a way to transport this bug. That's <laughs> terrible. And you know, that's probably how it got here. 
Uh. Probably is how it got here. They did all the genetic tests, and they know that the population in South Carolina is identical to the population in Ohio. And all you need to do is drive around Charleston County a little bit in the summer and see all those Ohio license plates. Yeah. I, I personally have no doubt it came inadvertently on firewood from Ohio. Where it was found is um, right next to a big RV park. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, yeah. at some point, Occam's razor, right? The simplest explanation mm-hmm. is it's probably that's probably how it got there. I mean, the human element to this of how we're actually helping spread this mm-hmm. bug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, happens oh. all the time. So oh, it's a big no. part of what we do is outreach. So I can get you some materials. Okay. <laughs> Don't uh, bring camping or firewood along yeah, with you. Yeah. Just buy it when, when you get there, right? That's what we encourage people to yeah. do. Yeah, get it, get it locally. Um, or sometimes you can buy tr- treated firewood already. It's already been heat treated. So you know everything inside is dead. There's a little stamp they'll put on there. A lot of the stuff, uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot. Most of the stuff you see at like uh, gas stations, those little bags, if there's a little stamp on on one of the ends of it, it means it's been treated. So you can look for that and then you know that's clean. Okay. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they so this Asian longhorned beetle bores into things like maple trees and some other. Yeah, mostly maple, okay. but it'll also hit things like sycamore and cottonwood and uh, elms. But but maple's ninety eight percent of what it's what it's eaten. Interesting. Now, mm-hmm. what's the size? Is this a really huge, intimidating bug, or kind of little? No, it's easy to see. There, the the body of the adult is an inch and a half, an inch and a quarter long, and then it's got really long, you know, two to three inch long antennae, and they're mm-hmm. black and white striped. The beetle's black with little white spots on it. It's not something you're going to miss. Yeah, you know, it's pretty obvious when it's there. Fascinating. So we as gardeners, when you're out and about, you know, you think you're just tending to your flowers or your vegetable garden, but you really need to kind of have a, a bigger eye out and look at things around you as you're out in your landscape. You could spot one of these. Yeah. And, I, and I'll just say, look, extension folks love to identify stuff. If you see something cool, take a picture and email it in. Yeah. You know, we love doing that stuff. It's a fun part of the job is helping people figure out what's that natural world around them. So yeah. we love seeing pictures of cool bugs. So the way to do that here in Georgia, folks, 1-800-ASK-UGA-1. That's the number you call, 1-800-ASK-UGA-1, to find the extension office in your county and get in touch with your agent. They can help with a host of things. And, of course, Pike Nursery, too. They're great when you bring in maybe a limb or a leaf or a flower or something, and, and they'll help you identify insects and, and plants as well. All right, so a good question for you. Coming up, Dr. Coyle, we've got Betty on the line from Monroe. Good morning, Betty. Welcome to Green and Growing. Good morning, and I'm glad David's still there because I want to tell you about what a problem the Bradford pear sprouts are in our pastures. Yes. Hundreds of them, the great big huge thorns, puncture the tractor tires. I lost track last summer of the number of times the tires had to be repaired. And um, it's just just a real, real problem. The sooner they're uh, gone... From sale or any use, the better. Now, can you even trace back, Betty, when those were put on the property, or they were probably there before you got there? No, I don't even have any. The neighbor has some Bradford pears lining her driveway. We don't have any Bradford pears. We've, all we've got is the sprouts, and the developer said when he developed it that the uh, seeds were sterile. Not true. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's I, I can feel for you, Betty. I mean, you're one of many people who have said that they have lost so many tires to these things. They're so hard uh, to get rid of. That's a heck of a thorn. Oh, yeah. They're so hard to get rid of. And, you know, that developer technically wasn't lying because a Bradford pear can't make a viable seed with another Bradford pear. But the problem is there's so many other flowering pears out there now, wild ones or, or other varieties, they can all make a viable seed. So, 
it's one of those, uh, you know, technically he wasn't lying, but, you know, they can definitely have viable seeds on them. And, yeah, birds are sitting in those in your neighbor's trees, they're eating, and then birds do what they do. They fly mm-hmm. across the field and, and poop, and there you go. That's how it gets going. So how far from the original Bradford pear would a sucker come out, though? A sucker, you know, a sucker itself is probably only going to, well, it's going to depend on how big that tree the, the is. But, system, you know, right? I mean, the roots on a tree are basically as they go out as far as the tree is tall. So kind of depends on that. I would say if she's, uh, if her pasture or field is across the road, that's more than likely birds just eating the fruits and then, you know, flying across and pooping. So is there a way to stay after? I mean, it sounds like it's going to be quite the process, manual removal anyways, because of the thorns. But mm-hmm. what can someone like Betty do who just keeps having them pop up? And how do you even begin to control that? Yeah, Betty, let me ask you, how big are most of those uh, those plants? Are they, are they still just a couple feet tall or are they getting a lot bigger at this point? Well, it's according to how long in between bush huggings it is. Yeah. If we bush hug every three to four months, some of them are four feet tall, three to four feet tall. Maybe others are just sprouting out of the ground, different different sizes. We bush hog about three times a summer. Oh, wow. Yeah, one thing you can do, you know, herbicides work great on these things. There's a lot, you know, calorie pear is tough to get rid of, but not tough to kill. Good. Glyphosate works, triclopyr works. Uh, you know, they, you just have to get out there and treat those things. And a really good time to do that would be, you know, a couple months after you've bush hogged and they've, they've sort of put up a big bushy bushy bunch of sprouts and it's all that green, nice green foliage. That is a great time to take, you know, glyphosate, which is, you know, Roundup or one of those things, and just spray those things. And that should... The, air, the area is much too large to do that. Uh, oh, well then, yeah, you're kind of, I'm afraid you're kind of Stuck. Stuck. Yep. Well, yep. Uh, well, Betty, I'm really glad you weighed in on that. And so uh, Betty is going to be our biggest advocate in Georgia to maybe have <laughs> this campaign of, you know, and, and like Dr. Coyle said, it's not necessarily having the tree police come to your property. If you have Bradford pears, no one's going to tell you to take them down. But slowly but surely over the years and decades, eventually seeing less and less of those trees, because when, when all of them have a lifespan of 20 to 30 years, mm-hmm. eventually they will die out and there will be no new source for them. Right, right. We'd like to see, you know, native trees getting put in there instead. And and give us just a list of a few native trees that we could plant instead that are going to be really beautiful, maybe showy in the spring, Mm -hmm. that are a better option. Yeah, and I'll I'll give a little list, but always remember it depends on where you are. But especially for folks in, you know, upstate here, their red buds are a great one, right? They can handle a little bit of, you know, they certainly thrive in some of that shade. Uh, there's several dogwood varieties that are good. Now be careful because dogwood has some disease issues, but there's some really great cultivars out there now that are disease resistant. So mm-hmm. I would highly encourage you to plant those disease resistant. I think Coosa dogwood is probably, you know, one of those. As you get, you know, a little bit further south, there's a tree called the swamp tai tai, which is a really cool little thing. Uh, it, you know, there's black gum, which is a good one. Oh, if you've got more space, that's going to give you great red foliage in the fall. I think that's a really underused tree in my, in my opinion, just because it's so pretty in the fall, you mm-hmm. know. So there's lots of different stuff, but it kind of depends on where you're located. Thinking outside the box. Betty, thanks for the call. 404-872-0750. A quick check of traffic and weather. We'll be back with the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. It's Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB.
Thank you, Scott. And we also have, new to the family, WSB meteorologist Christina Edwards, who started on the air with us this week. And you will hear her this coming week a little more on Atlanta's Morning News. So get to know Christina. Welcome her as she kind of finds her way and fits in with the family as Kirk Mellish is on his way out to retirement at the end of the month. The weather update, speaking of meteorologists, brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, partly cloudy, mix of hazy smoke, sunshine and clouds, a couple isolated thunderstorms can't be ruled out. A high of 89. Tomorrow, a little warmer. Highs in the low 90s. And again, a mix of sun and clouds. Peak afternoon heat index in the upper 90s. Green and growing. Green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. It is that time in the middle of July, beginning of August, to maybe start thinking about fall crops. Brussels sprouts, too. I'm going to try these again. I had one year of bad luck, and I didn't want to get discouraged. So fairly heavy feeders. Keep that in mind. They do need a heavy fertilization at planting time and then several other applications evenly spaced out during the growing season. And most don't bear sprouts until 90 to 100 days. That's why you've got to start now. And don't plant everything all at once. You can stagger plantings, especially with beans, too. Now is a good time to put out some pole beans and bush beans. Number two, sunflowers. Those are ready to harvest. Don't just cut them down and and waste them. They were so beautiful throughout the summer. When the back of the head turns brown, that's when you can harvest them. And then just knock those seeds out and save them. There's so much you can do with sunflower seeds. And number three, if your hostas and azalea stems, this is something a lot of you have identified. They have kind of a white powder coating on the stems. Don't worry about it. It may be a coating from plant hopper insects. It doesn't do much damage, but occasionally it can spread disease. If you start to notice problems, then worry. Otherwise, just leave it alone. Hostas are doing fine. They're pretty happy this time of year. Okay, coming up on 828. Got to take a break and check the news, weather, and traffic. And we'll have Pike Nursery along with a few tips on how to care for your roses. This late in the summer, there are still things to be doing. And back with Dr. David Coyle from Clemson University talking about vegetation management. We're talking about tree health and invasive species. Give us a call. Betty from Monroe was a great call about Bradford Pear. 404-872-0750. Ashley Frasca right here on 95.5 WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. You've got your radio dial set to the right place. 95.5 WSB and a happy Saturday morning to you. Ashley Frasca here. Same time of the show every Saturday. We set aside time for Pike Nurseries. Here to help you. Here to help us learn what to do, what not to do in the landscape. Oftentimes, products or flowers, plants that'll make your landscape pop, look a little bit better. A lot of us have roses. Roses are such a common feature in the landscape. Really low maintenance if done right. So I am glad to welcome my guest. It's her first time to the show. Rena Sartain, certified plant professional and landscape consultant for Pike Nursery. She works out of the Buckhead store. Rena, roses, what's not to love? Well, you know, Ashley, roses are the most remarkable shrub. Um, They can survive with literally no care whatsoever, but they absolutely flourish when they have a little TLC. 
and watering, they are they are heavy feeders of both water and a nutrient of some sort, a fertilizer. Um, this year, you are so right. We have had so much rain, and it's wonderful. I mean, I will never begrudge all this beautiful rain, but <laughs> the the nece- you know the necessity of watering is probably nil this year because we've had you know more than our share. So I don't think that's an issue. What the issue is, is that a lot of them will go fungal, which they do anyway when the humidity hits. Mm-hmm. So I think this year, the more important thing is what to do about the black spot and the yellowing of leaves and dropping of leaves rather than watering. Now, is black spot, we all know what it looks like. The name is very descriptive and kind of uh, self-inclusive, but is that something that I can just pick off some of those leaves and then just move on, or is it a little bit deeper into the plant? No, it's deeper into the plant, and what you really want to do is get to the root system. So the you can do one of two things, and I usually do both. Um, there is a spray um, that you can put on, and my favorite is Bare 3-in-1. It's just a wonderful product. Now, I will say that anything that you put on the leaves um, or the roses themselves, you really don't want to put them on the roses. You want to try to hit the leaves more than anything and the underside of the leaf. But it does affect pollinators. So you want to make sure that you do this after the sun goes down when the pollinators are um, going back home. And um, that will absorb through the leaf system. But the best way to do it, they also make a liquid that needs to be diluted and a granular i use the liquid you put a capful in a bucket of water pour it around the root system and that absorbs into the root system and goes up through the plant i think the pollinators are less susceptible um, to be affected um, by that Uh, bees, honeybees especially, love roses, and roses love honeybees. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important for people to always be aware of using any kind of product. Um, But that, I have used that for years. You use it about every five to six weeks during the summer. Um, Coupled with so much water is the humidity. Now, they, they said, Ashley, this year, that it would be a hotter than normal summer. This summer has been so temperate. We've had a couple of warm days. I think we're getting ready for a a hotter week here. Mm -hmm. But the humidity adds an additional layer of stress to the roses. So that's why you want to get something in the root system and then spray something on the plant itself. And they both these both these products are just I, I can't uh, tout them enough. They're just really excellent products. Yeah, so you mentioned the Bayer Bio-Advanced All-in-One Rose and Shrub Care, and it's in that blue bottle. So the, the three-in-one yes. type action there is a fertilizer, disease control, and insect control. So in that regards, Rena, we don't really need to wait to use it until we see insects or until we see diseases because it's got fertilizer in it too, so it's going to kind of play a role in prevention. A little bit. Um, it doesn't have much of a fertilizer. It's it's more f- factored on the insecticide and the um, fungal. 
but I start to use it in May. Okay. Now, this year I waited a little bit later. Normally, the humidity starts to hit us the beginning to the middle of May. This year, it just didn't. I mean, it has. It really hasn't been that humid this summer. So, but I do start using it early just as kind of a shield of what's to come. And um, so I, you can you can never be too, you know, uh, start with it too soon. And it's good on hydrangeas and all, it's good on so many plants, but roses in particular. Good. Okay. And on roses, we certainly need to look out for a lot of different things. Rose sawfly, where that was really kind of coming on hot and heavy about a month or so ago with chewing the leaves. And Japanese mm-hmm. beetles, what's your take on that, Rena? Are you just down there with a soapy bucket like some people knocking those Japanese beetles off of your rose bushes? How do you treat that? Um Actually, I find great satisfaction in murdering those little monsters. (laughs) Um, I think uh, one of the things that you can use is a Captain Jack's um, kind of an organic spray, and that does help. Um, People that think that you can put those things out in those, what are, you know, something that attracts them Mm -hmm. in your yard so that they don't go to your Rose of Sharon or your um, your roses or whatever they want to get on, all that's doing is attracting them. That is not keeping them off your roses. So the funny? best way to do that is to go out there and, you know, just knock them off. These insects probably do communicate with each other to some extent. And so if you're if you're aggressive enough, um, you can deal with it. But I think the Captain Jacks is a really good spray to use that will help. And I do think the bear will also help once it's in the root system. See, that's got the insecticide in it, and that would be great. And we want to uh, practice good environmental strategies when we're dealing with our roses, and you don't want to carry any disease from plant to plant. So be very conscious, you know, when you're wearing gloves and dealing with a lot of different plants and going in and out of your rose bushes as well. Water at the base, that's really going to keep fungus at bay, and that's just best for the plant. Mulch, too. I mean, mulch, a two, maybe two-inch layer of mulch, Rena, is going to keep water from splashing back up. and. Yeah, water and, um, you know, keep the weeds down. You want to make sure that your um, hand pruners are very, very clean. You can dip them in alcohol to make sure that no kind of virus spreads from plant to plant. I think in the past few years, and people will see this along the way, there is a a rose blight um, where your roses just all of a sudden become incredibly thorny and kind of deformed Mm -hmm. they kind of take this odd growing pattern and they just develop all these little spines up and down Mm -hmm. the stem so um, once that happens you need to dig that up put put it in a bag it is an airborne virus so you need to get it off the property and you know i would not plant another rose there for some time but it can spread so you've got to be careful at the first uh, sight of um, that kind of virus. Yep, you all heard Rena mention those symptoms. Rose, rosette, be very careful. And I'm glad you reminded us, Rena. we've got a few more minutes here of um, really cleaning off pruning shears and all of your tools. Let's hit that really quickly. Pruning roses. This is something, especially with knockouts, you can do throughout the summer and it's really going to be beneficial. Yes. I, to me, it's necessary. Um, I like to keep mine at a certain height. They stay denser, um, every time you prune um, a plant that is perennial, 
it's going to immediately shoot out new growth. So instead of letting them get leggy and canopy themselves out so that the undergrowth doesn't get enough sunlight and then they just become an ugly shape, I prune mine back. Once a cane has spent all the flowers, all the flowers have bloomed, I take my canes back 12 to 18 inches about every, you know, Two to three weeks, I check on them, and um, pruning should be a regular part of the summer. It takes five minutes. If you stay on top of it, it doesn't take any time at all. That's great advice. So pruning, do that throughout the summer. Also feeding throughout the summer, maybe monthly between, say, May and September. Mm -hmm. And the uh, Mm -hmm. products there at Pike, like Espoma Rose Tone or Dr. Earth. Organic. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Earth, organic. Rose and Flower Food. Uh, well, Rena, I want to give you a moment to um, talk to folks about what you get to do there at Pike Nursery as a landscape consultant. How do you work with customers? Customers, um, I contact customers directly that are interested in having a consultant come out to their house. It's something I've just been dreaming of doing for years, and we finally started this service about two years ago. And um, we have the option, if you want, of having a landscape architect come out and draw you a full plan. But most people um, want someone who knows what they're doing, knows about plants. Mm-hmm. We, I don't draw a, an architectural design we go over your entire landscape and come up with what your vision is, what I know will work, and implement a plan that um, just puts the wow factor yeah. back in your landscape. I love so it's a that. wonderful and it's a fun job. It, oh, I have oh. so much. I bet. And folks, you don't have to be intimidated by it. You've got folks like Rena and experts at Pike Nursery who are certainly able to help. Well, Rena Sartain, located at the Buckhead Store, certified plant professional and landscape consultant. I appreciate your time on the show today. You have a great weekend. You do too, Ashley. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you. Thank you. My thanks to Pike Nursery for always coming up with some good information for us. Go to pikenursery.com. In the upper right-hand corner, you can click Advice. And there you can find things to do in the garden this month, garden advice, do-it-yourself projects, really helpful stuff. 404-872-0750, winding down the show. Dr. David Coyle from Clemson University, the Extension office is in studio with me and we've talked about a lot of interesting things. I swear I could have you on longer than an hour and a half because we just scratched the surface. Just flies. It does. It does. So Bradford pears is what uh, we really started talking about when Dr. Coyle came on at 730. Go back and listen to the podcast. That is just fascinating that that's going on in South Carolina. It's been banned. People so far, the calls we've had, David, everyone is in favor of that. So you want to listen to uh, Green and Growing, the podcast on demand. When you go to WSBradio.com, that'll probably be up by Monday to kind of listen back. And I had another thing for you, uh, Mm -hmm. David. Jan sent me a message on Facebook And it was timely because I knew you were coming on the show. You've got a Ph.D. in entomology. And she said she saw a news story about an invasive. uh, These are kind of news stories that are like the Asian murder hornet. You know, like they may get blown out of proportion, but you're getting ready to tell me if not. Uh, Invasive Asian jumping worm and how destructive it could be. The story was somewhere up north, but she says she has seen one in the Kennesaw Ackworth area right here in Georgia. And she took a picture. It kind of looks like an earthworm, but do we need to be alarmed? Have you heard of anything about this Asian jumping worm? Well, true story. We have those. I don't think we need to be alarmed, but they are certainly here. They're called Georgia jumpers or Alabama jumpers. There's a bunch of different names, but they're named because when you dig them out of the soil, they they wiggle like crazy. They just completely, you know, go nuts. Uh, And it almost looks like they're jumping. If they're sitting on the ground, they'll jump. So they are a non-native species from Asia, obviously. Um, 
you know, they do the same thing a worm does, but the, the difference with these is they can re reproduce and multiply so quickly. Oh. And, you know, a worm's whole purpose is to, you know, get rid of leaf litter, right? Mm -hmm. So they can do this to a, an extent that actually harms forests and natural areas, wow. but takes all the leaf litter away and it can impact some of the regeneration. So, you know, they're, they're here. They're in a lot of different eastern states. They're over most of the, you know, most of the eastern U.S. has them at this point. Um, most of the research has been done up in the Midwest, up in the lake states, and they have definitely seen some negative impacts of having these things. It just completely cleans off the floor of forest. So that's that alarming news story maybe. Yeah, probably, saw. probably. And they've seen, you know, where it's it's impacted, you know, sugar maple is a big thing up there where we okay. get our syrup and everything. Yeah. And they've seen it times where it's impacted sugar maple regeneration. So you don't get as many new trees growing because they've just cleaned off all the, you know, the seeds and the, everything there. So Well, again, props to Jan for paying attention. We talked mm -hmm. about that, David. Yep. People paying attention in their landscape. If you see something that you don't quite know what it is, you need help identifying it. That's why the Extension Service exists through the university system. So for us in Georgia, 1-800-ASK-UGA-1 to find your county extension phone number, your county extension agent. You said y'all love identifying stuff for people. If they send a picture or bring something in, that's fun for you guys. It is fun. I mean, it's not administrative stuff. So we love identifying <laughs> pictures and we like to see what cool stuff is out there, right? We can only be in so many places. So we love it when folks send us pictures of, you know, a, a cool plant or a cool bug or a, a fungus, you know, I mean, it's just a fun part of the job. And you really scientifically kind of start to map this out and, and kind of keep track of how often things are being spotted, then you'll kind of know whether or not it's becoming a problem, yeah. that kind of thing. So you can be a citizen scientist in a sense, help the extension service out. Thanks for that, Jan. That was very interesting. All right, coming back with some final thoughts and how you can get in touch with Dr. Coyle too next. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. Update on the weekend weather brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, partly cloudy. Of course, we have that chance of isolated thunderstorms afternoon, early evening. It's still going to be kind of humid, kind of muggy and hazy. 89 degrees, the high, low 70s tonight. And then tomorrow, much the same. Partly cloudy, peak afternoon heat index in the upper 90s tomorrow. And then more scattered thunder showers as we get into your work week. The complete forecast comes up in 10 minutes here on 95.5 WSB. Great calls. I think it's been a really fun show. Again, if you want to go back and listen to any parts of it, give me until about Monday. But WSBradio.com, click on On Demand there. You can listen to the podcast. And my thanks to Dr. David Coyle from Clemson University, assistant professor. We've talked about tree health, forest health, invasive species. Always something timely to talk about with you. I love it. I know. We got worms today, too. So yeah, that was kind of neat. We threw that in on top of beetles and Bradford pears. Um, how can folks find out? You know, I talked about your videos. Some of the videos you do are fun about privet and just clever ways of really educating the public. How can folks track you? They can track me on the socials at Dr. Dave Coyle, D-R-D-A-V-E-C-O-Y-L-E. And being a Clemson fellow, we put our stuff on the Clemson HGIC, our Clemson Extension page, uh, that's probably the best way to find me is those two avenues. Yeah, so if you Google that, HGIC Home Garden Information mm -hmm. Center. Yep, Home yeah. and Garden Information Center. I mean, you can find publications there and at extension.uga.edu as well, the University of Georgia Extension Service. That knowledge is free for you. It's out there. We want you to take advantage of it. You want to come back in studio sometime? Of course. This was fun. It was. We, it will happen again. Now go enjoy the pool day. 
I got some other things to take care of myself. It's been a great Saturday morning. Find me on the Facebook page. Please keep in touch with me. Green and Growing WSB is all you search on Facebook. Thanks to DeMarco and Corey and John for keeping the show on the air. I'm making room for Dave Baker and the Home Fix-It show up next. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.